The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. K-K-U-C-I. I-C-I. C-K-U-C-I. Irvine. Welcome, everybody, to Ask a Leader. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh. Welcome you to the April 2nd, April 2nd, 2013 edition of Ask a Leader. Welcome back, students, from your spring break. I've held off on some guests till your return, so uh, I hope you're up and running. Some of this was planned with just you in mind, especially you humanity students out there. Today we'll hear from UCI German scholar Professor David Pan with a central role in the newly created European Studies Program and fresh off of an invigorating conference he presented on this very campus on this very topic. The second half of the hour, Ask a Leader has the pleasure of bringing out for their radio debut, recently elected at nearby University High School, ASB President Hunter Kraft and ASB Vice President Carly Yipson Gipson. She's going to tell me. Gypsum. Okay, so we'll bring them on, but you know what? You know the drill. We're going to have a little station break with my favorite little compilation from the Township Sound. Be right with you. Stay tuned. Thank you, everybody, for staying with us today on Ask a Leader. Welcome back. My first guest today is Professor David, I want to say it's in Chen Pan. He is a German scholar and the director of core course at courses at UCI's School of Humanities. He received his BA degree at Stanford and his master's and PhD at Columbia University. He's taught at Washington University, Penn State University before he came to UCI in 2006. Along the way, he put in two years as a management consultant at McKinsey and uh, Company in LA and was previously editorial associate and now book review editor at Telos. His interests are 19th century and earliest 20th 20th century literature and intellectual history with some really fascinating research on anti-enlightenment thought, investigating its particular understanding of the role of traditions in determining the structure of human consciousness or how and why Nazis commandeered mythology over rational thought. That's a different seminar, folks, but uh, we'll, we have David to do the rest, though. It's a really cool, it's cool work he's doing. He's fresh off of arranging a recent and successful conference on European studies. He talks with us today about this year's initiation of the European Studies Program. Professor Pond, welcome to Ask a Leader. Thank you very much. I'm really uh, pleased to be uh, uh Beyond with you here. Oh, good. Well, David, you are living, breathing, teaching, and administrative proof that European foreign languages, that's German, French, Italian, and Russian, to mention the central ones, and related studies are relevant and vital for undergraduates and graduate students to study. Tell us about the European Studies program that is about to be a year old. What was the impetus? Well, uh, initially, uh, we had the German, German department, the French and Italian and Russian program, and um, we, uh, we decided to, to merge into a, a single unit um, in order to take advantage of a lot of common interests that we have and uh, be able to really 
make a, a broad case for uh, for language teaching as a real essential part of um, of student learning at uh, at UCI. Um, so the the real uh, distinctive um, aspect of our programs and, and the language programs is that um, you know rather than just learning about a culture in English and um, and just uh, <coughs> integrating that culture into you know your uh, your current worldview and perspective on things. When you learn a language, um, you, you really develop um, the ability to interact with people that you never would be able to do uh, otherwise. And so, you know, the, the ability to go abroad and to, 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 to actually meet people, interact with people, you really start a whole new trajectory in your life. It's a whole, it's just, it's, 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 it's just a whole new perspective um, that you would never run into before. So uh, that was really one of the the main kind of goals that we had in establishing this department um, as as one that focuses on and on this sort of pathway uh, for students to uh, to experience that 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 kind of opening up. And so it's a we're looking at immersion. You're being very opportunistic. Immersion in in the classroom experience, and uh, you're looking ahead to. We'll talk about that. Um, the housing, the residential accommodation, the uh, immersion with the study abroad. It's all about this whole sort of contextual, uh, interactive engagement in the whole, the whole culture that the language takes us to. Yes, and it's really, um, it really is, I mean, one, one of the things that's hard for people to understand sometimes, I guess, is just the way cultural interaction works, how, how it is that actually different cultures interact with each other. And, and you know, typically what happens if you, you know, you, you, something gets translated in English, you, you, uh, you interact with it in English, um, it is an enrichment, and it's the kind of stuff that actually we do in, in the humanities core course. Is is we, we have you know trans, works in translation from all over the world that we um, that we teach to students, and it's it's an enriching experience, an expansion. Um, but it's 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 a different kind of experience than um, than immersion in another culture, which is really I mean I see is the only real way for for people um, to. Understand what it means to to be in a in a in a global community, global economy, um, where you've got separate places, and each place is really it has its own perspective on the whole world, uh, and so you've got, in a sense, you're, you're you're learning about the entire world again from this other position, um, and and that's really what really kind of opens people's minds a lot, and it really gives you a whole new way of, of thinking about what it means to be um, in a global environment. And this is a year program now, it's recently initiated, so um, there are certainly students who've been on those years abroad who can come back and they can report on that, but you'll this will only build now with this program uh, underway here. Yeah, no, we, we have all these plans now. So we, you know, we, we have had, uh, you know, in all of these different programs in French and in German and Italian, Russian, we've had uh, study abroad programs, and students have gone uh, abroad and had these experiences and come back. Um, but we're 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 building on that. And we're trying to, like you said, um, we're we're trying to develop these um, these language immersion uh, houses or, or uh, in the dorms um, uh, to try and you know build that experience here a little bit. Um, and, and we're also doing. Um, we've also done some classes here at, um, in, for instance, in the German program. I have a colleague, Glenn Levine, um, who's done these classes where he's run it with students um, here at uh, at UCI, but also students in Germany 
um, that are um, that are online, um, and it's they they run it with this professor in Germany, and they have wow. they have a single class that's kind of this simultaneous in Germany and in, in the U.S. Really, what in Berlin? Where? Where's um, that? You know, I, I think it was in Leipzig, but I, I, I'm, oh. I'm not entirely sure now where where he did it, um, but. Uh, in any case, you know, so it was, you know, was the students in, in Germany are trying to learn English, and the students here are learning German, uh, but they participate as, as, as a single class then um, through this sort of online um, interface. I, I'm imagining they're putting, they've got the Facebook pulled up on their laptops, and they're they're talking to those Leipzig students maybe while they're listening to, uh, trying to be listening to Glenn and to uh, their. The, uh, the counterpart in Leipzig. <laughs> there, there could be a lot more interaction than you even know about yet. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll ask about that at a later date. So when are the residences going to be up and running for uh, uh, to support the program? We don't know about that yet. Actually, we're, we're still, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's still just a sort of an initial idea. Um, we, we haven't, you know, we have to, we have to go through lots of kind of administrative hurdles to, before we can even you know, start thinking about dates and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, but that's just, it's kind of one piece of the program. We're, we're working on summer programs as well um, in, tr- in terms of language programs in, in, in the summer and also sort of intensive um, uh, language sequences during the year uh, to try and get students um, in uh, uh, through the, the, the initial language uh, instruction more quickly. Um, you know, one of the things we find is that... Um, that students often t- and wait for, um, to take their language courses, or if they have like a requirement to fulfill it, and <clears throat> and that's really a shame because um, they really only you know are, are are able to take advantage of our language programs if they if they start early, um, if they start like as freshmen or as as, as sophomores taking a language, um, it'll take them about maybe two years to to really get to the point where. Um, they can interact with people in um, in 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 a in a foreign culture uh, in Europe, um, and then if if they if they then graduate, then they you know they they don't have the opportunity to really take advantage of of the programs that we have. So we really would like to have students um, start as freshmen, ideally, and then uh, by the end of their sophomore year, then um, they're they're able to interact. They they really have. Um, Enough skills in European languages um, to be able to go abroad and and study at um, you know in Germany or in France or in Italy um, and, and really just interact with uh, with native students in those countries. And that is a, this is a major uh, takeaway message that we wanted to, uh, folks to know that all right so maybe they didn't quite get on board with some kind of early early uh, foreign language training but you're here to tell our public our listening public even as uh, you're seeing tremendous inroads with fluency with undergrads starting that foreign language by their first year at least um, soon soonest as they can their first year yes right I mean in fact you know when I started as a uh, in college I, I didn't know any German at all I no like, like my second quarter in college, I started learning German, um, and so and and yeah. By the end of my sophomore year, uh, you know, it, 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 I was to the point where I could go to Germany. I, that was what I did. I my junior year, I spent in Germany, and I studied just you know alongside German students. It was it was a little rocky that first semester, um, but wow. uh, you you catch on, you know. I mean, because once you're there, you're totally immersed. You know, everything you do, everything you hear, everything you say is going to be in that in that language. Um, and and so you really pick up things really quickly, 
Um, so, but but you know, with with European languages, it it really is doable uh, if you if you if you start learning one um, as a as a freshman um, in college. You know, by 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 your junior year, you could be abroad, and you really can take advantage of courses uh, abroad. Um, it's uh, it's really it's 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 just an eye opening experience. For everybody just joined us, we're listening. Um, it's Ask a Leader here on eighty eight point nine FM in Irvine, streaming all around where all languages are spoken around the world on KUCI dot org, and we're talking to Professor David Pan with the School of the Humanities as the initiation of the, uh, this first year of the European Studies program is underway. And um, I wanted to ask. So probably though, let's talk a little bit about the demographics of the students enrolled in this program. Many of them must be bilingual, though maybe not in a European language, so they must be able to sort of have a facility for learning that third language, therefore. Yes, some of them do, yes. Um, you know, we've got students um, that are from all backgrounds. I mean, we've, you know, we've got um, some students, you know, who've had, you know, who, who've had some, some German before, uh, obviously from high school right. or, or from home or something like that, but then other students, you know, who, who don't, who, you know, we've, you know, got sort of, who who know Spanish from before from home, uh, or from or an Asian language from from home, um, and and that that is very helpful um, in in learning another language. Um, but what what is <coughs> what is also I think important to to realize is that um, as you develop um, a kind of academic um, understanding of the language, and, right? And the system. Text, uh, I'm sorry. The system of learning it. Yes, um, it, it really is something. Um, it's really something much more than um, than than what you might know uh, as a language from home. When I actually, when I was when I was uh, when I was a child, um, I actually spoke Chinese um, at, at home, uh, and and then as I started going through school, I, I I didn't speak it as much anymore, and I actually don't. Uh, you don't anymore at all. Well, no I do, but I don't work on it academically. Okay, right, um, right. That's different. I understand. And so. Um, I mean, just to, to, just to illustrate the difference of mm-hmm. that, so that my, this, my, this sort of developed academic knowledge of German is, re- is really um, something um, that's that's really um, quite a different kind of development than than what you would get just in a kind of home speaking environment. Not conversational. Um, the, yeah, the, it's you know, it's 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 a matter of reading a lot of texts uh, that you, you typically wouldn't read if you just have this sort of oral uh, knowledge of a language, um, and it really is a kind of an ability to then function uh, on a on a kind of on an academic and a professional level uh, in a language, uh, which requires so much more sort of um, uh, insight, not just into you know um, the day to day workings of the language, but the whole history, of the culture, right, uh, and sort of the political um, context in which you're working as well. Oh, I'm I'm really impressed that um, you've come so far from being. Uh, an undergrad uh, student enrolled in German. That's it's just amazing. I know how hard German is. I've tried it after I started with another German, Germanic language, Danish, and then, uh, which is incredibly easy grammar, but the German grammar and all that other, and learning, and you're learning it, it you as an academic, it's not just a 20th century German for those 18th century authors that you're studying. That's not, it's a different language a bit, isn't it? Yes, it is is somewhat different. I mean, it's, it's just like in English. If you read like uh, an eighteenth century text, it'll uh, there'll be certain vocabulary that you won't really recognize so much, and, and maybe certain certain expressions and and in terms of phrase. Um, but it's you know it's it's doable. You, it's not uh, if you get it earlier, sort of fifteenth century, fourteenth century, then it gets it's much harder. Different letters, different 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 
total words, totally. Well, let's talk about um, the opportunities that students can look forward to uh, with the curriculum overseas. There's the education program, and that would include the, uh, this is the one in the Center for European Studies, uh, the master's you can get at the Krakow University. I don't even know how to pronounce that name, that uh, proper name that accompanies that. Uh-huh. Um, the Krakow Gigelonian? Gigelonian? That's, a, that's one, I guess, one part of that. Then there's the Free University in Berlin. The Leipzig University, is. are they um, offering some kind of a, an exchange or um, besides the simultaneous course, are they also going to be participating in the education abroad program? Uh, no, not at this point. I mean, I think mainly the ones through EAP are through, um, yeah, through Berlin and Potsdam. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but, uh, you know, those, those are great places to study, obviously. Oh, exactly. Um, Berlin is just a fantastic city. Um, it's it's a little bit like I, I guess you know in, in some ways it's a little bit like Los Angeles in the sense it's kind of a decentered kind of a place. It's uh, because of the because it used to be split into East Berlin and West Berlin. Right. There's like two different sort of centers of town, and there's it's 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 uh, it, it's it's interesting that way. It's not like a it's not like a kind of like Paris where it's uh, everything is in the center and everything. Else. Um, kind of radiates from the center. Right, right. Um, but in any case, you know, these are all wonderful cities to be to be visiting and studying in. So, you know, we've got programs in, in, in France as well and in Paris. And so, um, you know, there's just, it's a, it's, it's, it's just a great, great opportunity for students to be able to participate in these. And there's, a, now the Trinity College in Dublin, that's, is that, that's part of the year studies, even though that's the, I don't know that um, their, the language is a, is a part of that. There's an immersion in that. Yes. Um, you know, what's funny is that, you know, you, you go to England uh, or Ireland or something like that, and it, it, you don't realize <laughs> um, that, in fact, it is a kind of a different language there. Um, it's, you know, people, the phrase is, you know, uh, great, you know, great Britain and the United States are sort of two countries separated by a common language, right? It's, you, you know, you, you'll say something in English there, and somehow you'll think you you've said something, but they've understood something else. <laughs> yes. So there's, it's an interesting um, situation where, uh, in fact, because um, you go there and you right away, you, you, you think you, you understand what's going on, um, there's, a, there's a kind of um, uh, strange dissonance there um, that, um, that you don't get when, you, when you're learning uh, a different language like French or German. Where you know that it's all different, and you, you spend all this time kind of developing, you know, the the language, so that you, you're realizing you're you're moving into this sort of different place where there's di- different understandings of things. You know, the verb is at the end of every sentence. <laughs> right. Well, but you know that that's different than what you normally do. Whereas when you go to England, you know, and um, uh, you don't realize that it actually people are understanding something different for often when from from what you're saying. Um, you know, so. Um, I don't know. When, when, I, my, my, I have a sister that actually lives there, and, and she, it, it took her for a long time. In London to, or in Dublin? In, in London, actually. Okay. But it took her a long time to, to understand that when the English say something's quite good, uh, it means it's actually very bad. <laughs> really? Oh, so, so things like it's that. quite mediocre. Yes, right. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. You know, the, there's all sorts of things like that where, where you know, when you're going to England, you have to kind of keep reminding yourself this is. A different place. It's a foreign place, and the language is different, even though you think um, you know the language. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's just a whole different context for it. And that's what immersion gets you, folks. You, 
understand that you've got more to learn out there. So, well, the, then there's grant opportunities. Uh, David Pan, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the some of the, like there's the German Academic Exchange Service. Uh, how does, can we hear about some of those opportunities for students who are wondering, who are awake and up from their spring break clock? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's 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 study abroad, um, you know, while they're an undergraduate, but, you know, as they're, um, you know, when they, the current, if they, if they use, if they go through EAP, um, all of their financial aid goes with them on this. So, in fact, and if, if the study abroad um, costs more than, um, than what, than they're studying here, um, the, they get additional financial aid to cover it. Though, though some of the programs are actually even uh, less expensive than staying right. on campus. So, um, so as far as, you know, while they're on, while they're undergraduates, studying abroad is really, um, not going to be uh, really more expensive than staying on campus, so that shouldn't be a, uh, a hindrance to students. And, and the other thing that you know students worry about is um, that they uh, will lose time in their movement toward degree, uh, and that's not true either. If they they just need to plan ahead, if they if they go to the study abroad office early and they plan their program, almost all of the classes uh, they take abroad will fulfill requirements that they need to be taking here. They're locking in a commitment from the UC system. Yes, right. So that's, you know, that's what EAP does for them. Okay. Right? And, but, you know, they do have to plan ahead. So they need to go in, you know, the study abroad office early so that they can plan their curriculum and make sure that, you know, the classes that they um, could use abroad to fulfill requirements here are the ones that they'll, they'll be able to take there, that they don't take those classes here. Because there's certain classes that, that you do have to take here, and there's, but there's other classes that, um, especially sort of some of the GE classes that you can you can fulfill abroad, right? Uh, and you want to make sure you can you plan your program accordingly. So right. the education abroad program or the EAP we're referring to that's easily um, retrieved off of the UCI website. I don't have the uh, further uh, more defined link, uh, but I, and I want to make sure for other resources that students and any student parental units listening uh, can get is the urban the ELS. That's the urban. Oh, no, it's the European Language and Studies. Language and, sorry, department at uci.edu. And the number, folks, quickly write down this on that envelope next to your bed. It's 824-6406, and you can find out more information about all of that and um, the courses. Now, I understand all the courses in the spring quarter, the Global Renaissance, Paris and the Lost Generation, the Senior Seminar, uh, they're all capped now. They're full. Oh, that might be. I haven't looked at. Okay. Our, uh, well, they can uh, they can check it out um, and see. But maybe they can uh, shop around this week, next week, and find out what what it's like, what the crowds like, what the students are like, and um, see what this programs. And you are it's there are cross registrations. You're, you're seeing everybody from all over the campus coming in these classes, correct? Yes, right. And, when, and we have a mix of classes. I mean, we do have these. You know, some of the classes you mentioned are are classes that are taught in English. Um, and um, that we're, you know, they're about, it'll be about France or about Germany or something like that. Um, and uh, we teach those classes uh, partly as general education classes, partly um, for, for, like, English majors and things. Um, but at the same time, we also then offer these classes in, in, the, in, in the language sequence, you know, so it's first and second year uh, language, but then also then culture, literature, history classes that are, are taught um, in, in French and in German and stuff, so that, so that um, there's there's kind of two tracks that students will will be will be on. Or though though you know if you're a, you know if you're a German major, um, you would take both kinds of classes. You know as you're as you're as you're still learning German, 
you'll, you'll, you'll be able to take classes in English about right. Germany. And like the senior seminar course, somebody might write their paper at the end of this course in the, in the language that they're studying, couldn't they? They could, yes. And uh, they do. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, that's certainly a, a challenging thing, but it's yes. doable by the time you know, that, that you're, you're, you're a senior um, if you've worked through the language program. Well, you are a model for applications, so I'm hoping that, uh, that, that it, I'm, I'm sure it rubs off and there, there are uh, you know, ambitious uh, students who uh, might you know, go and raise it up lots of notches and, you know, and present their, their work in the, the language they're studying for you know, that track they are. Well, it's, uh, we really uh, don't have any more time left. Uh, we got the takeaway message we already got in is get, that, get to that language, get thee to the language course early, uh, everybody, um, and so that you can uh, you know, participate, get the full, of, full benefits of, of what this program's doing. And then the, the conference you had was about a month ago, and then we'll, you'll have a, sort of a re-examination and uh, yes. other people at the end, of the, in, the, in the academic calendar of 2014. Yes, so we had Visions of Europe at the, at the beginning of March, and we're going to have uh, Europe in the World um, in, at the end of 2014. So these are academic conferences. We had students attending as well, though. Ah, good. Um, but we had, you know, we had scholars from, um, um, you know, really... This, this past conference was on campus and then others in California, but this next one, it will be, it'll be an international conference with, with people from all over the world. It'll be held here. It'll be held here, yes. And this is then maybe when we get closer to that, we talk about uh, everybody accommodating them residentially, uh, field trips and everything else. We can, uh, let's activate Ask a Leader to uh, make sure that you're proper hosts. How about that? Yeah, no, that'll be fantastic. Okay, well, we'll do that. Well, David Pun, UCI Professor of Humanities, German scholar extraordinaire, thank you for being on Ask a Leader this well, morning. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All the best of luck in this new program. Right, thank you. Take care. Bye. Well, we are going to be right back. After a station break, we'll be talking to the uh, a recently elected associate student body officers at Uni High. We're glad to have them with us while they're on their richly deserved spring break. So no hooky pulling today, folks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with some of University High's most engaged students. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody, for staying with us here on Ask a Leader. This half of the show, my guests are, or this segment, I should say, my guests are high school students recently elected to the student body offices. They are Hunter Kraft, Associate Student Body President, and Carly Gibson, Associate Student Body Vice President at University High School, as I mentioned. They join me today on this, their radio debut in Studio A at Ask a Leader. Welcome to the show, Hunter and Carly. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'd like to start with both of you giving us a little background about the two of you. First, Hunter, go ahead. Um, well, actually, my parents uh, were grad students here, so I've lived on UCI campus for the last 17 and something years. So, um, yeah, UCI is something that I'm very familiar with, and so we've just been living in Irvine, and uh, um, yeah. <laughs> And so uh, all the way through public schools here? Yeah, so um, I started out at Turtle Rock Elementary and then went to Rancho San Joaquin Middle School, and I've been at uni ever since then. That's I'm what they call a junior. 
they call that a favorite son. If you 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 hail from the area where you're holding office, so that's you are right from in utero. It sounds like Carly. How about you? Um, I actually was born out of um, the country. I was born in South Africa, and oh. um, where in, where in South Africa? Um, Cape Town. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we moved to Tennessee when I was four, and oh, um, of the natural progression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then um, when. I turned six and we were going to elementary school. My parents were interested in moving out to California because they've heard about the great public school systems here. And so I um, I went to East Shore Elementary School and then Rancho Middle School as well. And now, of course, I'm at University High School. Okay, fine. Well, um, as we're getting ready for uh, the show, um, Hunter was saying that there is, in fact, a, a bit of a difference in the way uh, student body elections are held at University High School versus perhaps other area schools. So uh, I'd like for both of you to talk a little bit about that process. And uh, and after that, uh, some maybe have some interesting anecdotes about the campaign. Hunter, did you want to start with that little difference or explanation? Yeah, so I'm at uni. Our election process is two parts. So we've got a primary election where all of the candidates get in front of the school and then they give very short speeches and then there's a voting where all of the student body is involved in that and then after that um you need to make it past a certain threshold as far as a percent of vote and then you can move on to the next round of voting and so the next round is more um not everyone participates in it and we actually hold a convention in the theater and it's an all-day event and your homeroom sends delegates to the theater to this election convention and you're asked to speak um, on the spot. You don't know the questions that they're going to ask beforehand. And there's several rounds of this, and you have to win um, two rounds at the election convention for you to be elected. And so that's kind of something that uni does, and a lot of other schools don't, is the election convention. And it's really a neat experience. I went as a delegate uh, twice before I actually ran for office, and it was a really cool to see that the people that are elected actually have to you know prove themselves there's vetting going on yeah wow that's great it's not just a a quirky popularity contest and uh, something just one little thing gave you a bounce you had to really prove your mettle with um what's going on yeah yeah it it was um it was a really long this uh, this election convention uh, lasted actually quite a bit longer with both carly and i um neither of our positions were chosen very quickly so it, yeah. it was pretty um, exhausting. Yes, Carly. I think it's um, very important that our election process actually has um, steps uh, as far as questions that allow the candidates to be chosen based on merit and values more than just a, a popular vote within the school and a lot of people not taking it very seriously. So um, that's something that I think is very unique about our school and also very helpful to get good um, elected officials. Wow. Well, um you were saying, Hunter was saying that th- this was a little more protracted series of rounds than in previous years. So that's because so you could witness them those two other times you were a delegate. So, it w- I mean, how much different, how many more rounds than before? Um, so the way the, um, you, the delegates show up to the convention at 7.30 in the morning, and it's usually <laughs> over by about 12.45, um, just after, or just before lunch. How, how many offices that... Um, there's eight elected offices. It's going so they elect on. Eight offices usually in the morning, but ours lasted closer till one thirty. So um, not that it, much longer. But um, yeah, so in each round, uh, the elected positions get up on stage, and then they like 
I'd have a mic, and then there's a question asked, usually by the officer that's currently holding the SOT, uh, the SOT position. And then they pass the mic down, and everyone gets about a minute to respond to it. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's not a lot of time to sort of prove um, to prove yourself, and you have to kind of think quickly. So it, it, a few hours of that, and it, you kind of uh, find that you're running out of things to say. Yes. Yes, Carly. I think the fact that it went so long just proves how many worthy people there were running for these positions. Um, and especially it shows that for vice president and president, people do take it seriously. And um, they're just uh, it's hard sometimes to narrow it down to the best people for the job. Wow. Well, so I'm really, really, really glad that you're here today <laughs> on your spring break. And I, I know there's a lot to do. There's a lot, colleges to start visiting. And there's, uh, I don't know what, you're probably looking over, uh, you're, you know, looking over what you want to do it besides preparing for the rest of your semester here. So I, I'm curious. Uh, well, let me just say for those of you who just joined Ask a Leader this morning, I have as my guest, Uni High School, recently elected. Associate Student Body President Hunter Kraft and Associate Student Body Vice President, I'm going to say ASB from now on, Carly Gibson. They're here in Studio A with me this morning on Ask a Leader on 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming live around the world on www.kuci.org. And we're talking about now not only the unique process that that University High School has in vetting their um, office holders. And as Hunter and Carly were saying, this was a little more protracted round. Uh, we'd like to find out, maybe you have some interesting campaign anecdotes. Now, antidotes would be for how you maintained yourselves, but I'm interested in the anecdotes, and I think the listeners are too. Um, so, yes, Carly. Well, the first part of campaigning is posters, and you kind of, a lot of people want to have kind of a gag game or something that makes them recognizable. Yeah, I remember yeah. some of those in um, my day. Um, my name is Carly Gibson, so there's a, f a pop star whose <gasps> name is also Carly Jepson. Um, so I did kind of a play on that with my posters. I put my face on top of her album covers uh, as her, and um, I just wanted to make something that was recognizable to students where they would uh, see it and think it was funny or at least just know who I was and that I was running for a position. And then it went on to primaries. And oh, wait a minute. Now, you missed out on saying, instead of Kami, maybe vote for me, Shirley? Didn't you say that on your banner? Um, no. Um, <laughs> her songs were popular enough that people had done those kind of things before oh, me that's in true. previous years. So I didn't think really doing that would be unique. And um, yeah, I didn't like it that much. <laughs> okay. But I did sing in my primary election. And um, it was to not one of her songs, but I just wanted to go along with my theme. Okay. And yeah. She well, we'll let you warm up with your mic turned <laughs> off if you'd like while Hunter talks. Yes, Hunter. Oh, so um, for my posters, um, I I wanted there to be like no doubt about who it was because sometimes during the um, elections, you see a poster and you know you're not sure who that person is. So right. I put on each. So you're allowed six posters um, during the campaign and like campus. size you, as big as they can um, be anywhere, like a standard poster board oh, size. Okay. So. Um, I put, I cut out 14 different pictures of my face and put them on each of the posters and it just said Hunter Craft. So, um, <laughs> they were really trendy. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're hanging in your household now. Um, I kept one of them, but a few of them were actually stolen during the oh, election that's process. Just like in real life. You never so. know. 
what happens a lot of times posters fall down because of tape <coughs> and stuff so you know no need to jump to the gun and blame people for that <laughs> oh my goodness well are, are there campaign finance lids uh in high school ca- um, elections yeah um the I packets just, just that are given me. out have information about that i think you can spend up to fifty dollars for materials as far as posters and um but you can't get them professionally made and you can't get buttons Good. that are professionally made. Yeah. And passing out candy or any kind of uh, things to win people's votes is not allowed. And, and that's, I mean, is that enforced? Does pr- vice president, uh, vice principal, this or that uh, check into that? Um, How do they know for sure you're not well, giving them something on the side? I think people don't even think that that's really a good way to get to people because with 2,000 something students in the student body to reach that many people through... Um, giving out payola free, yeah is yeah. <laughs> not very effective but um i think uh sometimes think rules aren't enforced and that is kind of a problem that we will address next year because ah. uh, you know sometimes people like to do things in their speeches that are specifically against the rules and it gets them votes anyways but um as vice president and president i think we're going to make sure that people know what the rules are and that, that it's not acceptable mm-hmm. to break them usually only um campaign rules are either investigated if there's a formal complaint that's been filed against the um candidate by one of their competitors and that that rarely happens there's um but i don't most people don't exceed the 50 dollar limit i don't think most people actually even come close to 50 dollars. oh really yeah well that's one wholesome message i'm glad we can take away from something (laughs) going down in orange county good bravo everybody well was it fun was it was it it was stressful yeah i'd um it was a unique experience. I'd never done anything like that before. I actually ran for freshman council, um, obviously my freshman year. Right. And it's just elections, like a, the your whole class, and they just vote based on you know what they think was funniest or whatever their criteria are for who they would want on the council um, body. That the council um, sort of represents their class, and they do s- different competitions against the other classes. Um, so that's the only kind of event, uh, election event I've been involved in besides this one. And it's very different. Obviously, the process of this is a lot more strenuous and stressful. Yeah, this one, this one was a lot more drawn out. And it also was hard because um, both Carly and I are good friends with a lot of the other candidates. And it was hard to, it was hard to run against them. To oppose them, them. yes. Yes. Well, I, I just let me go back. Carly, did you also have the benefit of some kind of delegate experience like Hunter did so you could see what you were in for? Um, I was supposed to be a delegate the year before, but I unfortunately was ill on the day of election convention and my mom oh. didn't think it was good that I should go to school. So I'd never even seen it before. And that made it scary going in. And next year, I'm actually as vice president, I'm in charge of planning it. So it's been interesting to see it from this point of view as a candidate. Oh, so you you can uh, take that experience and wow, but and that you prevailed—that's really stellar. That <laughs> without benefit of that kind of a, you know, observations from previous years. Wow. Well, was was there any uh, were there any hitches in the you know you um, in the in the campaign? Um, some some other things that just you um, any other kind of anecdote? Something funny that happened or something? Now in retrospect, it's funny, but it wasn't then. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure. Um. I think mostly it's just uh, stressful, and now looking back at that stress, it—I mean, why was I so worried? It turned out for the best, but it's—it's um, it's a good yeah. feeling, isn't it? it like you—you—you you, got—you got a lot from this. You learned a lot, and um, so it's, the stress sort of melts away, and you realize it was really worth it. It was mm-hmm. really productive. Yeah, definitely. yeah, it definitely was worth it. We're, um, 
any of the faculty or the the uh, staff in any way helpful to you? Or you're on your own? Um, for for most of it, you're on your own. I think a lot of the faculty and staff want to kind of stay... Turn it over to you guys. Yeah, they, they, they kind of want to leave it up to the students, especially since, you know, they've had or uh, <laughs> could have had multiple candidates. So, yeah. Okay. And what's the the demographics of the the council this year at uni and the uh, not to mention what the class presidents are uh, class office holders but on the associate student body are you two are present to me as like a your um caucasian um uh, <laughs> sort of anglo-saxon protestant or something like that um uh, but uh how about the rest of the office holders um well so we only have so ASB itself is actually pretty large. You know, it's like a full class um, period of people. But um, there's only eight of us elected right now, so we're not really sure what ASB is going to look like. Um, well, as far as past years, I'm on ASB right now as secretary, and that actually has given me a lot of insight as far as what I wanted to say and address in my campaign as vice president in election convention. But um, beyond that, um, I think the way people are elected um, after... Uh, election convention the other you know 40 something people on ASB or less than that hopefully but yeah a lot of positions have uh, become multiple people and it's not necessarily necessary but um, yeah yeah there it's definitely a wide variety and I think seeing everything coming together at first last year when I was on ASB I was one of the few juniors or underclassmen of course because um, usually right. it's a lot of seniors and um it's weird thinking then uh, how it would come together. Like these are all such random people from different parts of the school. And then you really see how people become friends and they get to know each other in a way that you wouldn't expect through working together on ASV. Like no other kind of extracurricular, are you willing to say, Carly? Um, I Well, I don't know. I think being involved in extracurriculars is... Um, all of that's just good for making friends with people who have the same interests as you. But but this is getting this down is, to working. I hard. mean, the way that you 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 meet every day, except for obviously block days when you don't have fifth period. So, I think that what makes it special of um, apart from other extracurriculars is that you're with them all the time, and you really do get that family mentality at the end. And um, yeah, you feel really close to the people who you've been with for the past year. Good. Yeah, Hunter. as far as like extracurriculars go, um, you know, when you're involved in an extracurricular, you probably share the same interest as that person. But ASB combines people of very different interests because there's a diverse array of uh, positions that do very different things um, as far as, you know, what sort of what they're responsible for planning in the school. And then um, the other thing is that university high schools, you know, at least um, in comparison to a lot of places, it's a very diverse um, high school. Um, we've got... Uh, like over 50 different foreign languages spoken. On 50. I lost track after on, 27. On 50. Campus. But um, so there's there's a lot of different people from all over the world and people who are going different places um, in life. And then we also, we're really sort of two schools too. We've got um, a deaf and hard of hearing program um, on campus as well. and so For they, the whole county. Yeah, for or at least for this half, I'm not sure how what the scope of it is, but they have um, representatives that they send and elect on ASB as well. So that also is um, like a parallel sort of offices, or yeah, they in have, addition to they have um, a DHH program representatives that participate in our ASB as um, well. The election process is different for them; they do it within their community, um, but 
uh, being on ASB and that's a, a lot of the unique experiences getting to know them because um, that makes it different from other extracurriculars yes. because I mean it's weird the environment on our, on our school sometimes because it all yeah like what what Hunter said it almost is like two schools sometimes um, because people are shy and they don't know how if you don't speak sign language it's you don't want to necessarily reach out to someone who you wouldn't be able to talk to but I think part of ASB is that you really get to know. You learn you can yeah, talk with you them. you can talk with them. And we have um, almost every other week they'll teach us sign language for a day. And um, it's really nice getting to know them and seeing, you know, obviously they're just like us and not like you wouldn't assume that, but you're more open to like just saying hi to someone who you've never seen before because they are on your campus and it's good to ne get to know all types of people. So the benefit is now it's it may not be a... a a hearing disabled person who's on serving on the ASB, but it's but because you've gotten and in, interacted with one on the on the council, all the other hearing disabled people, there's less of a barrier for you to yeah, interact well with them. Yeah, well, actually, the DHH representatives are part of the DHH program, so they are. We have three hearing disabled people on ASB, and they're just, they, you know, they're part of the family. They have a. Um, person that's signing for yeah. so, but anyway i'm saying that the whole other uh hearing disabled community that that opens up the door yeah, to, yeah. to that one person there. well i we're not we don't have as much time as i'd like but i'd like for for both of you to talk about what agendas you have for your year of holding office let's start with hunter um so asb is a lot of a lot of what it is is you know planning um student activities on campus and hope uh hopefully getting um people involved and so like we said since uni is such a diverse um campus not just you know ethnically but also in terms of what people are interested in that's really a challenge to get um the student body engaged um in some of these activities but what we really like to do is we like to reach out and show that we are willing to support them in what they're doing and so that hopefully they can um start participating in the school so we we want to like begin um you know, targeting different, you know, academic teams and clubs and showing that we recognize what they're achieving and hopefully they can start um, uh, being involved in more school activities and functions. Oh, good. Carly. Um, yeah, Hunter and I have already started talking about, you know, some specifics regarding next year and what we want to um, change about ASV. And problems in the past have been that people see it as exclusive. And same with councils. It's um, my freshman year when I didn't make it, I you know, it's easy to feel unwelcome, and I there were some events where my friends would all be going together with their council, and I'd feel that I didn't want to go just because, you know, clearly I, when I didn't make the election, I felt like I wasn't wanted on council, but... That you were. <laughs> yeah, an important thing to recognize is it's supposed to, you know, it's council is to represent the whole class, and, you know, if even if you're not on the council itself, if you help out... Um, there are ways that you can be recognized as a member of council. They let people involved in the dance, and um, y if you go to workhouse and help make the structures for Spirit Night, um, you can be recognized as a patron of council, which means that you uh, you're almost like a council member. You're honorary, even like you weren't elected through the formal process, but you're um, you're just as equal as to any other members. And I think that's important for people to not feel as if they. Uh, have been rejected because they didn't make counsel. They should, you know, not give up with that, and they should keep uh, trying to be involved. And I think with ASB, that's the same thing. We don't want to feel like, oh, this is an ASB event. You know, other people aren't welcome. We want it to be inclusive, um, and especially that we should be approachable. You know, if we're representing the whole school, 
anyone in the school should feel that they can, you know, if they know who me and Hunter are, they can talk to us about issues or problems they're having or what they would like to see as far as um, ASB. So put that, put that out there. Well, and I've seen some of those Spirit Week structures, and I know you that you put in some serious time, yeah, that's uh, amassing all that. So uh, anybody who's not on the council is an, uh, one person who can pare down those extraordinary number of hours that you put in for that and all those other activities. So I guess that's a, that would be a good thing to be able to leverage additional um, mm-hmm. uh, following uh, beyond the council membership to get a lot of this done. It's so many hours you put in. I know you guys are sleep deprived at some <laughs> parts of the of the throughout the year not just from schoolwork but from yeah, those activities definitely. so um well that's great well i think what we're going to do is close this segment um and we have two other guests with us so we'll take a very nano minute break uh while we can change the mics around and uh, we'll hear uh from some other illustrious students contributions so don't go away we'll be right back folks Thank you, everybody. We are back here on Ask a Leader with my next guest in this final segment of um, the show. We are talking here with first Chiara Galassetti. She's a senior at Uni High and Sarah Pariani. And and, uh, she is a junior and uh, she is a the current cultural liaison member uh, of Peace of Mind, and Chiara is, uh, I guess, the primary instigator here with the uh, a co-instigator here of Light on the Attic, which we're going to talk about right now in the minutes remaining on Ask a Leader and uh, how it's going to culminate in an event that everyone is welcome to join. So, uh, Chiara and Sarah, welcome to Ask a Leader. Thank you. Thank you. So, tell us what um, Light on the Attic is all about. So um, Light in the Attic, it's actually this a non-profit run organization where I called Peace of Mind now. So it's run by high school students and we started as a club by one of our friends and we make mask straps and blankets for pediatric pa- cancer patients at the Chalk Hospital. Yeah, we started our freshman year. Um, a wow. couple of friends got together and we started this club and we were... Um, we were pretty successful. We had a lot of students coming in, but unfortunately, with the unfortunately with the ACLU lawsuit, we were unable to gather um, gather club fees, and so we weren't able to function as a club because we had to purchase materials. So we would go out to get donations, and we were also unable to get donations because we didn't have. Um, a 501c3 filed, so we decided to file ourselves as a nonprofit mm-hmm. the summer of before our junior year. Wow! And ever since then, we've been functioning as both a high school club, peace of mind, and a nonprofit, peace of mind, well, incorporated. Take a bow on the microphone. I don't know how that sounds, but I, 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 you got to take a bow for that. Mm-hmm. It's stunning. So uh, you've developed you developed this chin strap on your own, or you had a little medical uh, advice on this, or what? Um, how, how did you get from the idea to uh, what's strapping onto those oncology patients now? Um, well, we had a couple of friends that actually inspired our club, and um, he's actually a student at University High School, and we were speaking with him about some things that maybe the cancer patients really liked, but they didn't necessarily always get, like, a treat. And he said that some of the parents, some of the parents that have more time, like to make little straps to attach to their mask strap so that it doesn't that so that the 
um, elastic doesn't pull on the wisps of their hair because they've lost so much hair. Yes. Um, and he said it's very convenient, but not many parents, especially in the chalk area, have the time because they're working multiple jobs to pay off, you know, their medical bills. And so we decided to take up, you know, the making of the blankets and the mask straps using our scraps from the blankets. Okay. Yes, Kiara. So um, you have an uh, event coming up yes. on April 26th yeah. at uh, the, uh, speak right into that mic so everything, everybody can hear mm-hmm. the details. So why don't you let everybody know what they're welcome to? And we've got like about a minute and a half remaining. Okay. So on April 26th, we have a silent auction. It's, oh, okay. It's at the University Hills Community Center. It's from six to nine o'clock p.m. And we, at this silent auction, it's $10 to enter. CPK is going to be catering dinner. And then we're going to be auctioning off baskets from places like LA Fitness, um, Trader Joe's, different restaurants around the area here, um, Bunt Cakes. So it's a lot of fun. And there's going to also be live entertainment from a uni hill, from, I guess, uni high school acapella group, footnotes. Okay, fine. So... University Hills Community Center, yes. April 26th at what time? 6 to 9 p.m. 6 to 9 p.m. So there's something for everybody there. I hope that you can all be joining in on that. Well, Kiara and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us and uh, on Ask a Leader this morning. I'm just going to close with uh, everybody with the minutes remaining before George Rosali shows up here with George Hat Hat with a few announcements. Uh, there's ample opportunity to for all of you to follow up with your frustration over the lack of sufficient action on gun control legislation. For one, previous guests and tireless advocates for gun safety, Charles and Mary Lee Blake, are spearheading the Orange County mega rally to stop gun violence in Irvine, that's this Thursday, April 4th at 5 p.m. at the Turtle Rock Community Park. And why is this venue where it is? And I know it's 10 o'clock, so thanks, George Rosales, for letting me have a few more minutes here. This evening is a fundraiser, a private campaign fundraiser, where House Speaker John Boehner is expected to be there, along with John Campbell, our Congress guy, Ken Calvert, a Republican from Arizona, Dana Rohrbacher, we know him there, uh, Costa Mesa up to to past Long Beach, now his district. And Ed Royce, also a, an Orange County congressional uh, delegation member. So this rally gathering is events being sponsored by the Brady Campaign, Orange County Chapter, Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, and South County Citizens Against Gun Violence. There's also the Life Act that uh, people can check out uh, in the ask their legislators to support a package of gun safety bills and we'll fight to make them law. Well, that's all we have today on Ask a Leader. Thanks for letting me run over, George. Jorge, man. Next week, we'll bring up to you up to date with two oncology patients, Natalie Burgess, Becky Tahara, who are on Ask a Leader one year ago, practically to the day. The update has some sweet new developments. The second half will be Mexican Napoleon Gomez, labor leader and advocate for social justice and human rights. He'll talk about his book, Collapse of Dignity, the story of a mining tragedy and the fight against greed and corruption Mexico. Next up is George Rosales. Thank you everybody for joining us on Ask a Leader today. See you next week. Thanks for listening.